The reading is taken from Acts 6, verses 1 to 7. The choosing of the seven. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Amen. So it has been said that those who are the hardest to love need it the most. And when Jesus was pressed about the most important of all commandments and the laws in the Old Testament, he replied that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Such that love for God and love for other people are inseparable. And that's a message that's often repeated in Scripture. It's certainly there in all the New Testament writers. In other words, it is essential that what we believe makes a difference to how we live. Loving God means that we must also love other people. Coming here and worshipping as we have done this morning, singing these wonderful songs of praise, recognizing the goodness and the faithfulness of God in so many ways, means that then it's a natural expression for that to overflow in the way that we treat other people. Now we've heard the story that's in our reading this morning. Sarah spoke a little bit about it and then we've heard it read just now. A particular situation which needed attention and where practical love was especially important. And what we're doing with these four words of welcome, love, challenge and grow is we dig a little bit deeper into our vision statement and to the kind of church that we believe God is calling us to become. We're taking some of the stories from the book of Acts which illustrate welcome, illustrate love, illustrate challenge and illustrate growth. So here's another of those stories from the book of Acts, and it's an illustration particularly of the need of practical love. And sometimes when we read this passage, those of you who, who are familiar with the Bible, uh, we sometimes think that the serving of the widows was actually less important than the work of the apostles in prayer and in preaching. But that is not actually what the text says. It says rather that there are different ministries and that in these early years of the church, the teaching and the leadership by the apostles was incredibly important 
to keep the church on track at that time. They didn't have the New Testament written down as we have it. They didn't have years of church history behind them, the experience of those who have encountered similar situations. It was all new. It was all very exciting. And the fundamental work of the apostles in teaching and preaching was so, so important as the church was really trying to get a handle of what was this all about now that Jesus had risen from the dead, that forgiveness of sins was being offered to all mankind and people were coming from every tribe and language and nation into the family of God. Such an exciting time, such an important task. But equally important was the care of those who needed it, and in particular the widows for whom the church in the first century took such a major responsibility. A woman who'd lost her husband was in a very vulnerable situation. There was no equivalent of life assurance or a widow's pension. That sort of language and, and lifestyle just was not there. And women, women would not be entitled to any benefit of any kind in their own right. They were completely dependent upon the su uh, support of their husbands when they were married. And if that person were to die, then they were extremely vulnerable. So here was a people group who was particularly vulnerable and for whom the church needed to be involved. So that care of the widows is another big theme of Scripture that's mentioned many times. It's here in this story, but there are many other occasions. If we go right back into the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 22, then the story is very clear there. And the instructions in verses 22 to 24, do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused. I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. What a strong word of judgment for someone who would ignore the cry of the widows and of the orphans. In the poetic language of Psalm 68 and verse 5, A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, God in his holy dwelling. It's fundamental to the character of God to be father to the fatherless and defender of the widows. And further on in the New Testament, the same theme is repeated in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 3. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 3 give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. It goes on to explain there might be other widows who have other family members who are able to support, but for those who are totally in need, a primary task for God's people. So there was a big need here. There was also the need for fairness, that the widows from both people groups mentioned here are equally important. And both needed to be on the receiving end of the love and care of the church community, something that we saw acted out so dramatically earlier on uh, with Sarah here. One of the group of the widows was from an Aramaic-speaking Jewish community. The other group was from a Greek-speaking Jewish community. There'd always been some rivalry between these groups. But the distinctive message of Christianity is that everyone is equally able to be part of the family of God, that God has no favorites, and that our care for others should also reflect that total inclusive attitude.
Now, what I find especially interesting about this story is that the apostles looked for people who were full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom in order to head up this work. The spiritual qualities for the ministry of practical care were just as important as the spiritual qualities for an apostolic or teaching ministry. They went on to appoint some of their best disciples to head up the caring of the widows. Stephen and Philip, who are well-known names, whose stories appear later in the book, and others who we don't know much more about. But these were people who were dis described as being full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. They, and once they were appointed, they were prayed for in the same way as might have happened for the appointment of the apostles or of a local church leader. And that reflects the spiritual fundamental challenge of such a caring ministry right at the heart of church life. And so this morning, let me identify four main applications from this story for you, for me, for our situation. If we are to be a congregation where love is significant, as well as welcome, where there is genuine love, then this is what we take from this particular story, that first, caring for other people is central to church life. Practical care for those in need is not a task which sits on the edge, but it sits right in the center of who we are and what we do. In our focus on our vision statement, there is more that we need to do on welcome, but there's also more that we need to do on love. Not that nothing is happening already. A lot is already happening. That's why I'm quite sure there will be stories of welcome, because there are those of you who've wonderfully felt welcomed in the community of God's people. And there will be stories of those who have been on the receiving end of true Christian love as well. It's not that nothing is happening, but there is more that we can do. This is work in progress. Visiting those who cannot get to church, supporting those who are unwell, caring, and those who are caring for others who are unwell, providing meals or flowers or gifts where appropriate. Joining with others in the Crossroads program, listening carefully through the work of Family Support Centre. None of this is extra. None of it is optional. None of it is incidental. It's right at the heart of who we are as a Christian community. Not everyone can do everything. And some will do very little. And others will do more. And it's not just about doing, it's about a way of being. It's about who we are and how we behave. In some way, we can all be involved in the ministry of care. Some of you are aware that we're following through at the moment uh, for the second time, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, which comes uh, from Pete Schizero, pastor in New York. And, and actually for me, uh, I have to confess that uh, neither in the first program nor in the second have I been fully involved in this course, but I've been involved in it as much as I can. And each time have learned and valued hugely the uh, times that we have spoken together. And this week, the focus has been on the story of the Good Samaritan and the writings of Jean Vanier, Henri Neuven, and uh, people of a similar kind with the focus on practicing the presence of God 
and being present in the lives of other people. Seeing each person as important to God and immensely important to us, listening carefully and supporting appropriately. I was very grateful to be on the receiving end of care of others in my time of being unwell a week or two ago. Uh, and as I still await the final outcomes of all the investigations that came out of that, as far as I can tell, everything is fine. I had texts and emails at the time inquiring about how I am. We received flowers and people offered to help with those things that I might normally do. That's the church in action. And our care for others needs to be right in the center of our thoughts and actions and it needs to be a natural overflow of our faith. Caring for other people is central to church life. And then I also see from this story that we have a special responsibility to care for those who are most vulnerable. We've already noted that it was the widows who were the most vulnerable people in society at that time. Life has changed, of course, and those who are bereaved certainly do need our best support. We need to show our love in action, but they may not be our most vulnerable people group today. In fact, those, I think, who are most needing of help are quite hard to identify. The single parent who is really struggling with money the victim of abuse of some kind in their home who is not able to speak about it. The person who is marginalized because of their sexuality or their gender or their skills and abilities. The employee working on the production line, maybe at Jaguar, Solihull, who's uh, close to being made redundant and has a family to support. There will be plenty of people near us who are in extremely vulnerable circumstances today. But it's not always obvious. And then there are those in other countries where we're constantly almost bombarded with requests for help. At least I feel that's the way it is sometimes. And it's impossible to help everyone. But we can do something with some people. Right at the center of the work of Mercy Mission in India, there's an orphanage caring for some of the most vulnerable children in their society in Andhra Pradesh. One of them got married this week. We'll have a picture of it. Rebecca, who had grown up in the orphanage, some of you may uh, recognize her, now teaching in their school, looks really happy on her wedding day as she was married to James just a few days ago. I wonder where Rebecca would be today were it not for Mercy Mission. I don't know all the details of her story. Some of you might know more than I do. But she wouldn't be in this place, I'm sure. That is true Christian love. I wonder who is the most vulnerable around us here and now, today. It may not be the beggar on the street. We have to be very discerning about those who are deliberately and publicly seeking help and you're familiar with that, and it's had quite a high profile in recent days. Are they really in the situation they claim to be? Or are they feeding a drug habit? That's a problem that's been with the church for many years all across the country. The most vulnerable around us today are probably hiding behind closed doors. Not many people will know what is going on. 
But there may come that time when you are the person who is able to bring that compassion and love that is needed to someone who is extremely vulnerable. And the wider church can support in that process. Because if we're fulfilling this word, we will be engaging with some of the most needy persons in our society today. That needs to happen more if we are fulfilling what God is calling us to. And then we also need to treat everyone equally and treat everyone well. This is hard, but it is so important. Why did the Hebraic widows receive better attention than the Hellenistic widows? Was it just an administrative error? Or was it in some way the echo of a cultural preference of some over and above the others? The reality is we don't know that for sure from the New Testament text. But there is a warning here. It's so easy for this to creep into our care for other people. Those who we know well, those who've been in the church for a long time, those who have a high public profile will often receive an abundance of care. And those who are on the edge for whatever reason may not be treated the same. It's not deliberate, but it can creep in. And our deliberate effort needs to be to avoid it. Those in small groups immediately have a circle of friends who know them well and are happy to support if the need arises. And that is wonderful. And that's a very genuine part of who we are as a Christian congregation. But those who are not so well known may find that they're missed off entirely in a particularly difficult time. Sadly, there have been moments when something like this has happened. And I often find my focus more on those who are at the edge of the church, kind of knowing that those who are more in the center have a wider network of support. But we need to spread our practical care as widely and as fairly as possible. Treat everyone equally and treat everyone well. But finally and most important, is to underline that love for those in need is a spiritual ministry. Those who were selected for this task in the story in Acts, the apostles laid hands on them, prayed for them. And they were people who were full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Why was that so important? Simply because the ministry of care is an overflow of the Spirit's work in our lives, a truly spiritual ministry and in that sense it need not be burdensome even though we may recognize our own human limitations even as Richard was praying to acknowledge our own tiredness in the present time when the spirit is flowing God gives the energy to care the resources to care for other people are not found in your own limited energies. They are an overflow of the Holy Spirit. Because in the one who has shown total and unconditional love for us, whose love never fails, never gives up, and never runs away, we have in our God, our Heavenly Father, a one who has loved us to this extent, who is calling us to love other people, and for that to be an overflow 
of the Holy Spirit. We expect the Spirit to work in our worship, bringing home to us the relevance of Scripture, pointing us to Jesus Christ. We expect the Spirit to energize our care. And that as we come alongside friends, neighbors, those who are vulnerable, those who need to be encouraged and supported, that is not a burdensome task. That is the overflow of the Holy Spirit.